Over the last 10 or 20 years, talking about porn in church settings has become somewhat mainstream. I mean, there's been some pastors even brave enough to admit their own issues with that. And I think that's created some of the transparency around that. Well, but what is seldom mentioned is masturbation. Ah, the M word. Because people just, it evokes a sense of shame. It really, really does. And you know, the problem is, how can we ever be free from something that we can't even say? So today we're going to talk very transparent about how masturbation affects our body and how it affects our intimacy with God and others. Hi, this is Phil and Priscilla Fretwell here with Savage Marriage. We're going to talk about how God is healing and restoring marriages today from betrayal, addictions, and the wounds of their past. And what He did in our marriage, He can do in yours too. During our first 28 years of marriage, so this is before I came clean, did you ever wonder if I struggled with masturbation? Yes, I did. Often. Why, why didn't you ask me? I, I didn't know what to do with the answer. Like, what if he says yes, what do I say? What do I do? Well, you know, I wondered on whether you, it wasn't so much whether you were masturbating, because I didn't think you were, but had you ever? I mean, that was kind of a question in my mind, but... So you wondered and I wondered. So what? why do you think that we never asked each other for 28 years? I would say shame. I mean, why do you think this word masturbation brings up the, these feelings of shame? Well, you know, I, I do have a theory on this. Okay. I don't know if it's true or not, but I've thought that, you know, God created us with sexuality that was really designed to it connect us with somebody else. I think that's built in inside of us. Our sexuality should really demonstrate and be an expression of somebody else's love for us. And when we are engaged in solo sex, it's almost like a tacit admission that I don't have anybody to love me, so I need to love myself. And that's, I think, very shameful on the inside. Well, I know I have heard women say, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be masturbating, but I'm going to do it anyway because it feels good and I want to pleasure myself. And, you know, it almost puts them in a God position. I'm going to decide what happens to me. As you can guess, what we're talking about today is masturbation. Yes. Something that we do not normally talk about at church. Porn has really become mainstream, talking about porn. And I would say in church has become more mainstream too. And there's a number of pastors who have admitted they've struggled with porn and they will admit that to their church and talk about it. And I think that's been a really great thing to be able to open up that conversation. But the word masturbation is rarely said. Fair by few. Yeah, very few that will actually come out and talk about that. And there is, it really is a seat of much of the shame that we deal with. Well, what's interesting, too, is that there are a lot of secular websites around that are talking about masturbation and the downfall or the the cons of it, right? Like one is fight the new drug. And then at the same time, there are some shows that are kind of celebrating it. Yeah. So you have two extreme differences. Yeah, it's these groups that are talking about masturbation in a very unhealthy way on these celebration shows, right? Yet within the church and as believers, we really struggle to talk about it at all and give a healthy view of sexuality and what God's designed here. Somehow we have defined porn as the issue, and some believers have stopped watching porn 
but they continue to masturbate, which is almost like a pass card. I've stopped doing one thing, but I'm going to continue doing the other. Well, you know, looking at porn can feel passive, I think. And but there's nothing passive about masturbation. I mean, we're doing it to ourselves and many believers experience shame and regret afterwards. Well, it's interesting to me, uh, several years ago, right, when we were we were studying scripture and we came across Matthew 5, 27 through 32. And this is where Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. And he specifically talks about masturbation. At least we think he does. Well, I think he does. He's, <laughs> he, he's talking about the eyes, looking at a woman with lust. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the hand action, yeah. right? And... And then he's talking about adultery, and then he's talking about divorce. And so to us, we were just like, oh, my goodness, Jesus was talking about masturbation. Even though what people will say is the hand is stealing. Yeah, which right? it doesn't fit in, the, in that. <laughs> in the context, everything else is talking about sexual immorality. So it, to me, it was, it was really uh, like eye-opening that Jesus had, a, had something to say about this. Now, I know you might be listening to that saying, I can't believe that. I've never thought about that. Go back and read the passage yourself yeah. and think about it. But we've become convinced that there is an implication there back to the masturbation. Oh, no, I am convinced. I think if you ask the Lord to open your eyes, Lord, to your word, I want to know. He will reveal that. Well, we are made body, soul, and spirit. And we're going to talk about the impact of masturbation on all three parts of us. And uh, in even secular groups, like some of these groups Priscilla mentioned, have admitted the adverse impacts on your body and your soul. And so we're going to talk about those first, but then get back into some of the spiritual impacts. The first thing we're going to talk about is about porn-induced erectile dysfunction, P-I-E-D. Even has its own acronym now. It has its own acronym. We have seen young married couples come to us with this problem. And it's very sad, just married just a couple of years, right? And yeah. we start sorting it out and asking them about porn and masturbation and realize the guy's had this long history. Um, half of his life, or well, more than half. And it's because most guys start masturbation early. Right. I mean, it could be 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, that's the way it was for me. And it starts forming their sexual template for arousal and release. And they can even get to the place where they prefer masturbation because it's easy, it's fast, and they can enjoy all their fantasies, right? So that becomes really what they enjoy. And so then when they're with their wives, it doesn't fit their arousal template that they've been working on for, for a decade. And on the flip side, women have felt that they have been responsible for their own orgasm because their husband has climaxed, but has done nothing for them. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, I'm going to take care of my own orgasm. So what we have is we have a guy's mind wandering during sex with his wife to porn. And then the wife ends up doing the same thing. It's no wonder that some sexually active couples feel like their partner isn't all there, like there's a third party in bed. Well, I know that's how we felt. In the yeah. 28th, there was like me and you and all these images in our heads both going. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. I read the other day that 23% of men have some type of sexual dysfunction going on in the bedroom. And uh, we've been on the phone with couples that all of a sudden they put this all together, that what they've been experiencing in the bedroom is actually linked back to the porn and the masturbation that has been going on outside the bedroom. And the second adverse effect is that this whole area of uh, porn and masturbation, it resets your dopamine, your adrenaline baselines around your sexuality. It creates a, it almost makes you like a junkie. It does. You're, you're overdosing on the chemicals. 
And so you got this arbitrary high level of overdose that just makes it very difficult to replicate that in the bedroom because you don't have nearly the level of fantasy and uh, eroticism and a variety that you're going to get through porn. And just no woman can keep up with that. No, no, no person can make you feel as good as a masturbation because, I mean, the person is not inside your head. They don't know what you're wanting, how the pressure is, what the touch is. And so they're like, I have no idea. Yeah. And so they're, 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 they're fighting this thing of wanting to know, but they, they can't because they're not inside your head with all the different images and everything that you like. And we know that most guys, when they're looking at porn, they will go to their most erotic sites that they can think of that really fuel their lust and gives them the biggest boost of dopamine. And it's really, you can't replicate that in the bedroom. And so as a result, they will end up feeling like this is a substandard sexuality experience with their wife. Now, I'm talking about physical here. And we're talking about emotional and spiritual and everything, but just from a purely physical standpoint. And the third thing would be masturbation always leads to an undisciplined sex life. If this is something that you have been doing over the years and now you come and you're married, how does this fit into a disciplined sex life with your wife? Well, masturbation is something that's available all the time. And that means for guys, many times, it's any feelings of arousal or lust or sensuality. You can quickly go back and satisfy those through masturbation, no matter where you are, work, car, home, shower, all these different places. And it creates this super undisciplined level of sexuality in your life. Speaking from the wife side, you know, your your undisciplined sex life spilled over to me and how it made me feel was that I'm a receptacle. I wasn't wanted. It wasn't me that you wanted. You were being used. I was being used mm -hmm. and I wasn't cherished. That's what happened with us. Well, there's really no way for us to have an undisciplined sex life before we get married and then a disciplined sex life after we get married. And I will tell you, that's one of the biggest lies I think most men believe. As soon as I get married, everything works out fine. And it just it just doesn't happen that way. This is why it's important for dating couples to understand the sexual history of their future spouse, because the person that they are going to marry has a history, and you have to understand what their expectations are. Yeah, it, it really is true. And all the, and many couples don't want to go back and explore this because they have their own shame. Right. It's kind of like, can we just get married and pretend all of that stuff in the past didn't right. happen? But I will tell you that the history of the past shows up in the future. Yes. You know, shows up in the present and the future, you know. And the fourth adverse impact is that masturbation does create an expectation of speed to orgasm. That becomes the idol, especially for a guy. And that becomes the way that their arousal template and their satisfaction template gets gets created. Well, and it also leaves the wife out of the picture, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I got my orgasm, but I'm so sorry about you. Well, it's no yeah. room for cherishing anymore. No room for cherishing or waiting for someone to be ready. Yeah. Because I have demanded instantaneous satisfaction in orgasm every single time I've masturbated. And now I have to wait for you. Yeah, I know sometimes we'll joke with each other and said, hey, we got time, right? We have an hour. Yeah. You know, we've got nothing else to do. You know, why Why are we going to rush through all this? That, But that is something that gets created. And those are the kind of four things that you'll even see on a secular website as an adverse impact of masturbation. But there are also spiritual impacts 
that we want to unpack for you today. Yeah, and these are really, really important because this is the basis of our relationship, right? It's the foundation. Yes. And, um, you know, for me, the shame that I carried around because of masturbating when I was younger, it just really separated me from God. Mm. You know, I had a calloused heart. I can't get close to Jesus because I carry this load of shame. Yeah, well, that happened to me as well, and it manifested through me, like this whole time in our 28 years of marriage, I mean, I'm involved at church, I'm teaching weekly Bible studies, and if I have to teach this Bible study on like Friday, that means on some Wednesday, I'm trying to clean up my act, Yeah, because I need at least like 72 hours to make myself feel better in front of God in order to be able to teach. And then Saturday comes, and I'm back to porn and masturbation. In the Gospels, where Jesus, after the resurrection, he's on the beach, He's frying up some fish, cooking some fish Mm -hmm. over fire, and Peter sees him and he runs to Jesus, you know, jumps in the water, jumps in the water, and he goes towards Jesus. And I always saw myself as being the person on the boat telling everybody, go ahead and go, I'll clean up here Mm -hmm. and I'll meet you on the beach later. Because of my shame, I just felt like Jesus was so far away from me. And then when I would get to the beach and everybody was crowded around Jesus, I would be on the outside going, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Just an outsider. Yeah, just an outsider. And um, that is how I saw my relationship with Jesus, never being able to get close because of what I had before me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that is one of the biggest impacts here of masturbation spiritually is it does create this cold, callous heart towards God. But second thing it does is it also separates us emotionally from our spouse. It trains us to be self-centered. Well, sex is supposed to be a metaphor, right, of our intimacy with God. And so we see this metaphor displayed in our relationship together. And you know, we're supposed to have this openness, you know, you've pursued me and, and, and I have invited you in, I have embraced you. Mm-hmm. And there's supposed to be this vulnerability and this openness and this wholeness that it's all of me. And that's, to me, is a metaphor of what we are with Christ. Christ knows every part of us. And there's really no way for masturbation to be the appropriate metaphor, right? There's right. nobody else involved. And if you look at sexuality as is, is the metaphor of our relationship with God, there's no way that masturbation can represent that. And it's certainly not a way that we're going to glorify God in our body. But it's more than just an emotional separation from our spouse. It's also with others. You know, we hold people at a arm's length because we don't want them to know who we really are. We wear this Christian mask. I look good. So that's all I want you to see. I don't want you to see my heart. Well, you know, I think that whole thing happened with me and our kids. Um, I mean, the secret I held, uh, the shame I held, it wouldn't let my our kids get very close to me, but it also wouldn't let uh, other people get very close to me. And it was related to this this level of secrecy inside me. And the third thing, it makes people rely on porn and images of others to reach arousal and orgasm. You know, there was a uh, time in the 28 that I had a low libido, you know? I can't understand that. Uh, because we had such a great relationship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I went to the doctor to go, you know, what can I do about this? Is this a pill I can take something, do something? And she said, go watch some porn with your husband. And I said, I, that is not where I'm going to go back to. 
you yeah. know? And, uh, you know, I, I did not go back to her, but that was her method of, hey, this should help you out. Yeah. I mean, this is really crazy. I mean, you know, rather than attaching to your spouse, her recommendation was that you should get attached to all these porn and images. And somehow that's going to help because she was focused on the physical, right? Yeah. She how, was- how to heighten the physical where really God wants all this to bring us in attachment and intimacy with somebody else. Yeah. Our wives, our husbands, right? Well, it's it's amazing. This gift of our sexuality that God has given us and all these chemicals that is released when we are with one another in the covenant marriage, mm-hmm. right? And we're experiencing this together. We're being open and bare open to one another. It's just amazing. This is what he wanted to create. He wanted to create this thing that we would always go back to one another, the feel good, yeah. you know, the 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 bonding of of each other, you know, that we're bonded to each other. And here we are. We take that and we actually throw it on the ground and stomp on it and say, no, I'm going to masturbate and I'm going to do this with myself because it, it's better. We almost vandalize the whole image, yeah, don't we? Yeah. And the world has come in and hijacked this and said, hey, no, what you should do is do pleasure yourself because you know what you want. Your spouse will never know. And now I will attach to me. Yeah. I will attach to me rather than you. Yeah. Well, you might have been listening to this and wondering, say, okay, Phil, you hit a you hit a lot of buttons here today, and I can see myself in this. So what in the world do I do? So we're going to give you a couple of things to do as you look back through this. And first of all, even though we've been talking about a behavior, masturbation, this is not your root problem. This is just a behavior. It could be anything. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. But what's happening is you're choosing a medication of a deeper issue, and you really have to go about and figure out the, the root because you could, you could teach yourself not to masturbate. We could put handcuffs on you. That, w- that would work as well, right? Or cut off your hand. Or cut off your hand, <laughs> you know? But um, that's not going to get to the root. So you have to go back to why is this happening? Right. I mean, with us, we had to go back to the wounds of our past. We had to go and almost be a detective-like and say, what happened to us? Yeah. What were these things that occurred in our life that wounded our soul? And then we had to ask the question, what are the lies that we are believing? And you may be saying, Phil, I have no idea. Well, I never thought about this. But, you know, you have somebody inside you that can help you. And that's the Holy Spirit, because he certainly knows he wants you to know he wants to bring you into a place of healing. And Priscilla, I think some of these things we had to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. Yes. And we did. He went back in. He started showing us things. What had happened in our life? Where was the place that we needed solace from? And for me, it was my my dad leaving, remarrying three days later. And it was uh, I had a very tough time with that and I was looking for that solace. But it's very much you got to figure out what the root is here. Yeah. I mean, we really do have to redefine where the sin starts. It's not the act of masturbation. It's when was the lust conceived? In James 1.14, there's a good verse about this. It says, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. If you read this verse kind of backwards, you know, starting with death, you'll find out that at the point of conception is whenever it's giving birth to sin. So what we have to learn learn about 
is when is lust actually being conceived? Many times we attach the sin to the act of masturbation. But if you remember that verse that Priscilla brought out earlier in Matthew, when Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So the conception of the lust in the heart was the adultery. It wasn't the action. So we have to redefine, we have to back up. And if we only define the masturbation as the sin, we will never get back to the root on this and we'll be constantly trying to manage a behavior instead of rooting out what's happening on the inside because we know whatever's on the inside is going to show up on the outside sooner or later. In our marriage, we have worked through this and the most important thing for us was that we needed to share with one another when are we being tempted. Mm -hmm. Not when after the sin has been committed, yeah. Because then you just become a confession partner. Yeah. But we wanted to be battle partners. And the way we can be battle partners is by telling each other when we are tempted. And this takes, it takes a lot of guts to do this yeah. with, with each other, with our spouses, right? Some people just clicked off the podcast, I think, <laughs> after this last one. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of guts, but it also takes a lot of humility because, see, you're, you're showing your weakness to your spouse and saying, this is where, where I'm at and I need you to fight along with me. Well, it's one of the most important things. And it really is the other thing on what to do is, is you have to talk to your spouse and others about this issue. And we know that James 1, 14 through 16, it says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And so sometimes we look at those verses and we say sick, we think about like in a, a bodily infirmity, but we don't think about being sick in your mind, which is what I thought very much. Um, or having an addiction or something like that. But those are all weaknesses and feeblenesses, which is also what this word sick means in the Greek. This is one of the first steps towards freedom is telling someone. And it seems like it is the hardest thing to do. I mean, can you imagine you calling up an, an elder at your church and saying, uh, hey, I want you to come over, anoint me with oil. I need prayer. And he says, what, what is your sickness? And you said, I'm sick in my head because I'm <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the discussion, yeah. right? And so it, it, it is very hard. But see, even in that, it takes humility to mm -hmm. say, I need help. Yeah. I need help. And I only know that God is the only one that can help me. Yeah. Well, what we have to deal with is the idol of lust. And it's not just the behavior. And that's going to start as we start bringing this out and praying and confessing our sins one to another. And again, uh, it's something very difficult for people to do, but I've not seen anybody get sustained healing from this without bringing it out and talking it to other people. And so as we're starting to kind of wrap this one up, we want to just give you a couple of thoughts on this. It's, you know, sex was really meant to be a physical expression of the intimacy that we feel with somebody spiritually and emotionally. And that just doesn't happen with masturbation. Yeah, the fact is, is that you can't be intimate with your spouse while you're making love to yourself. There's a maturing aspect to sexuality. And I see sometimes when there are other sins, we like, kind of... Like anger or something anger, like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it could be anger, gossiping, whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, it's things that we struggle with, right? People are so gracious about that. But when it comes to sexuality, they're like, okay, you're done. We don't see that there is a learning 
to control our bodies. Well, you're referring to 1 Corinthians 4, yeah. uh, 3 through 4, where it says you have to learn to control your own body. This isn't something that all of a sudden happens with no mistake. It, it, it There is a learning aspect of it. I didn't learn it till later. Right. I had no idea I was supposed to learn all this early. So there has to be a graciousness in this, a Christ-centered grace. Yeah. So if you know somebody who wants to be free from a cycle of porn and masturbation, we want to give you a couple of resources that can help. Uh, first of all, Whatever It Takes Ministries has um, weekend intensives. There's one called Four Days to Freedom. I went six and a half years ago. I have not masturbated since. Yes. And, you know, I know that's not everybody's story that goes to something like this. However, I just want to tell you that to let you know there is hope and there is a possibility. There's also Four Days to Hope for Women. It was a life-changing event for me because I saw Jesus become real, but it also showed me how I could come alongside you. Yeah. And there's other great ministries out there working on things like this. You know, Authentic Intimacy is one we like. Uh, Dr. Julie Slattery, uh, Pure Desire Ministries is another one that's out there. And so there are places here that you can go and find lots of help if you need that. But but we know that 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when I was trapped in my cycle of masturbation and shame, I was constantly looking for forgiveness. And what I didn't see is that I had already been forgiven and what I really needed was healing. So if you need help, reach out to us. We are glad to talk to you about your next steps. This is Phil and Priscilla Fretwell. Thanks for listening. Our book, Savage Marriage, Triumph Over Betrayal and Sexual Addiction, is now available on Amazon. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Savage Marriage Ministries. Also, join our Savage Marriage community at SavageMarriageMinistries.com. And remember, it's God who is at work in your savage adventure.